This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Halloween season is basically upon us. The countdown begins because I feel like everything becomes Halloween-y. Well, September 1st hits, but then it's really October 1st. Yeah, no, here's the thing. I honestly forgot that Halloween was coming up. For me, as, as you get older and you're just an adult, I don't remember holidays as much. Like I don't remember those uh, those moments. Like I remember the other day you said, "Oh yeah, the holidays are coming up." You oh, added, yeah. you asked it in the conversation or something. I was like, "What holiday is it? Labor Day? Like what is going on?" Um, but Halloween's never been a big holiday for me. Oh no, Halloween Christmas for me. Christmas is my bleep. Okay, I, I was, love for Christmas. For a second, I was like, "What is the bleep?" And then okay, you get it. Yeah, you know uh, uh, another word for it would be yes. poop. Yep, got it. Christmas is my poop. I love it all, but Halloween. <laughs> I'm gonna put, take a dump on Santa. <laughs> well, Santa's into that. <laughs> Here's a cookie. <laughs> so Halloween, though, uh, is my my jam. You love Halloween. I love you Halloween. Decorated huge Christmas trees full of nothing but Halloween decorations, which can be quite what? confusing. Like you're you had I'm, a, I'm mixing it up. Yeah, you had a large Christmas tree that you didn't want to take oh, I down. I remember this. And you kept it up the entire wow. year. You remember more about my life than I do. Well, so yeah, so uh, I got invited to a uh, pumpkin carving thing on Friday and I was down to go, but it's interesting because my boyfriend had some reservations. He's like, well, what if we carve the pumpkins? How are they going to be good t- until Halloween? What's the point? What is the point? Do you even keep it? You Well, I've done one pumpkin carving. Yeah, we, we did it together. Yeah, that we did it together. It was so much fun. And, but I did, to be honest, I don't even think mine came out that well. Um, it's the thoughts. It's the idea. It's the fun. Yeah, but if you do do it too early, like your pumpkin's like done. It's not about that. Then you just make it another pumpkin. It is about that. Well, anyway. I just think you have to be careful with doing holiday stuff way too early before the actual holiday. Like, I'm already seeing, like, Christmas movie cr- commercials and trailers. Oh, yeah. Like, it's it's really intense. It's never too early. By the way, all right, we need to go into the show, but I did go in Alaska to some a place called North Pole, Alaska, where it's literally Christmas every day. North and Pole? Yeah, I went to North Pole, Alaska. There's a real North Pole. That's wow. where the kids actually send their cards. They get over 100,000 cards every year sent there. Oh, I didn't even know there was a place like that. And there's, a full, with that. there's a full-time Santa there. Wow, he's creepy. And they're and with uh, Mrs. Claus, and they're actually are there, married. Are there like they're really uh, married? What are those things that reindeers? Are there reindeers? Okay. Uh, yes, actually, wow. I did a whole video. All right. Anyway, we got to move you gotta on. Got to do one. So uh, we got lots coming up. Uh, the power of the tuck. We have award-winning journalist Travel Anderson joining us for that. At 4:35 p.m. Pacific, 7:35 p.m. Eastern. Let's get in, into some what's trending this hour. <laughs> I mean, a quickie. Uh, 
It's National Coffee Day. Free coffee, y'all. If you want to get free coffee, you could go to Dunkin' Donuts, Starbucks, 7-Eleven, Panera, Krispy Kreme, Pete's, among many others. Just go anywhere where they serve coffee. Oh, my God. No, not everywhere. What if you go somewhere and it's not free? Well, that's their fault, not ours. (laughs) Uh, We'll be bringing you some more What's Trending this hour, including an Oregon school board and what they announced against the pride flag in the next hour. First, uh... Right now, let's get into some entertainment news. No, actually, we don't have any time to do my entertainment news, and I really want to talk about it um, next hour. Stick around for that because uh, she's fresh out of jail and already has her first acting gig, Lori Laughlin. Um, what? So that's going to be our big moment Okay. to, to talk about that next hour because, you know, girl, I don't know. It feels a little tone deaf that she's getting, and the show that she's going back on gives very colonial House on the Prairie, which does not feel right, in my opinion. <laughs> But we'll talk about it next hour. Okay. Well, coming up next, military leaders testified in front of lawmakers today. And what we learned about the Afghanistan troop removal that we didn't actually hear from Biden. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. As military leaders testified in front of lawmakers over the Afghanistan troop removal, we are learning a few more details about the U.S.'s chaotic departure. Here's General Milley and General McKenzie answering questions from Senator Tom Cotton. General Milley, it's your testimony that you recommended 2,500 troops uh, approximately stay in Afghanistan? Um, As I've said many times before this committee and other committees, I don't share my personal recommendations to the president, but I can tell you my personal opinion and my assessment if that's what you want. Yes, please. Um, Yes, my assessment was uh, back in the fall of 20, and it remained consistent throughout that uh, we should keep a steady state of 2,500, and it could bounce up to 3,500, maybe something like that, uh, in order to move toward a negotiated gated solution. Missy Ryan is joining us right now, national security reporter at The Washington Post. Was this pretty damning for President Biden in the administration, what we learned from uh, what was said today? Well, it really was just a confirmation by General Milley and Secretary Austin of what um, we've known for several months now and was widely reported at the time, which was that the consensus of the military leaders was against a full withdrawal and that they had made that case to President Biden and that he you know, made the determination that he believed it was in America's interest to withdraw anyway. So, you know, it was not surprising, but I think compelling to hear their personal perspective and why they believed it would be happen would be better to do it that way. And of course, you know, it provided a platform for a debate that largely unfolded along partisan lines about whether or not that was uh, whether or not Biden made the right call and whether or not the military then handled the withdrawal well or not. Yeah, I know it was described as a strategic failure. And I, I also wonder during this hearing, what did they talk about the the bomb that happened in Kabul? Because that was also a major failure. And it, it feels like we need to figure out what happened there. Why did that big mistake, you know, happen and those lives were lost? Yeah, they did. They did talk about that. Um, also appearing at um, the hearing was General Kenneth McKenzie, and he's the head of U.S. Central Command. And he um, and Milley and Austin all acknowledged that it was an erroneous strike, that they that the intelligence indicated that the target was an ISIS target, and it, as everybody now knows, was not, and there was all this civilian loss of life. So there's an investigation that's underway into that, and so 
you know, they couldn't really talk to or they didn't talk to the details of what went wrong, um, citing that ongoing investigation. But certainly, you know, that was uh, a significant component of the criticism, not just from the Republicans who didn't think it was a good idea to withdraw, but also from a number of Democrats who, you know, while they supported the withdrawal generally, they also were troubled by the chaos and the violence and the disorder that surrounded the evacuation and the eventual exit of American forces. So how will this all inform the administration moving forward? Because I just feel like it gave more ammunition to each side to blame the other side's president. You know, it, I don't think changed very many minds uh, about what, you know, the right thing to do was. You had Democratic lawmakers like Senator Elizabeth Warren coming out afterwards and saying, look, you know, the, the president provided, you know, that, that it was time to come home. And there are a number of lawmakers, mostly on the Democratic side, who think that, you know, it was just the United States had not. Um, accomplished its goals after 20 years. It was time to bring American forces home. And they said, look, Biden provided all the resources that the military asked for, and they got out 124,000 people. And so, you know, it wasn't a great situation, but they made the best of it. And then you had Republicans, you know, using a lot of the points that we just discussed as, you know, fodder for their argument that Biden made the wrong decision. Of course, there was a lot of discussion of al-Qaeda and what the counterterrorism strategy is going to be moving forward. So I really don't think it um, changed many minds. Or as 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 um, you all know, there are a number of congressional investigations getting underway, and you know this is going to be a significant thing going forward. Um, you know, lo- looking back at the war, at the evacuation, about you know the American ability to bring out. Uh, U.S. citizens and their allies, and then, of course, what the threats are from the Taliban and uh, other extremists in Afghanistan going forward. Yeah, and I I will say, I mean, Republicans were really talking about, did this moment, you know, uh, Senator Roger Wicker asked about the pullout having being severely damaged the United States credibility. And it does, I do wonder that, does that moment of, you know, unorganization um, really damage our credibility when it comes to what the world perceives us as? Yeah, well, that was one of the questions that, yeah, as, as I think it was Senator Wicker, as you say, like, who asked who asked Millie? And Millie said, you know, it was kind of a dramatic moment to have the chairman of the Joint Chiefs acknowledging um, that, at least in his assessment, the way this went down undermines American credibility. And I, I think he said that it was causing uh, ad- allies and adversaries to in- intensely review American credibility. So that's a, that's a pretty stark statement right there. Yeah. It is. And are we going to be seeing anything else moving forward around this or what happens now? Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's a there's an investigation into the airstrike um, that that you mentioned that killed um, at least 10 civilians. And uh, there is going to be, you know, a a broader lessons learned uh, kind of initiative at the Defense Department to, to look at, you know, an after action review, as they would call it, about the evacuation Operation Congress, uh, the um, House and Senate Armed Force, uh, uh, Services Committees are going, and, and uh, House Foreign Relations Committees are going to be doing um, uh, their own investigations. 
you know, and there's going to have to be this ongoing response to the situation in Afghanistan. You know, there's a big humanitarian crisis right there um, uh, unfolding right now. The United States hasn't decided whether it's going to recognize the Taliban government. So, you know, the the military and direct military on the ground involvement may have ended, but certainly this is not over. Okay, well, uh, that was Missy Ryan, a national security reporter at The Washington Post. Thanks so much. Thank you. Next up, this museum paid an artist almost $100,000 for their art, but what they got back is brilliant. We'll tell you next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Is this move brilliant or possibly illegal? So a Danish museum commissioned an artist $84,000 for a piece. This is what the artist did. He took the cash and turned in two blank canvases. And the artist called Take the Money and Run. I mean, you know what's so frustrating is I know there are so many artists, especially like queer and just of color artists who are on the upcom- like up and coming and they have beautiful artwork out there that yeah. will never get commissioned to do something like this or anything. And I think it's honestly quite genius. I think it's a way to kind of slap the art community in, in, their, in their pretentious faces in the face. So this is a guy that makes statements on what's happening in the world and socially. Most artists obvious. do. Yeah. But like, yes. <laughs> There's nothing new for an artist. Of course. But so this Danish artist, Jens Hanning, he um, had done this other piece in 2010 called An Average Danish Annual Income and An Average Austrian Annual, annual Income. And it exhibited in 2007. And they actually had banknotes to showcase the average incomes of citizens of Denmark and Austria. So this isn't that surprising to come from an artist like this. And so, you know, after something like that, 
he decided to, yeah, use this to make a statement about the idea that um, it wasn't actually enough money. Like, he felt like he wasn't paid enough for the work and that they don't pay artists enough for the work. So- I mean, that's also very true. I think there's there's tons of people. I mean, that speaks true to a lot of just Hollywood in general and the voices that are in, in any industry, to be honest. I yeah. think that speaks to people who feel like they're not taken care of or are um, respected in terms of like people want your talent, people want you to give them everything, but they want to, they don't want to pay for it. They oh, don't totally. want to give you, they want to give you half of what you really deserve of what you're worth. Yeah. And that's actually what he said. He said, I encourage other people who have uh, just as miserable working conditions as me to do the same. If they're sitting on some S word job and not getting money and are actually being asked to give money to go to work, then take the box and run off. Oh my god! So that I just watched a um, documentary um, that is absolutely incredible. It followed. The, it basically examined the life of artist and photographer and AIDS activist David uh, Wajarnowitz. I think that's how you say his last name. I just watched his documentary, and it's so incredible. Um, because he was all about that, right? He was all about have, being so conflicted of, one, his paintings and, and showing the world and speaking through his art. Mm-hmm. But then also when he got famous um, and he got really well known, he was so conflicted about having rich people, specifically rich white people, buy his product and brought buy it because it's like playing into the system and, and how the art community can really do that. And I just kind of think about... You know how snobby the art community can really be, especially if you know about art buying and all that stuff. Um, because there's so much money there. <laughs> there is. So it's fascinating, actually. It's wild. I would recommend you should you well, should watch that documentary. Oh, I thought you were gonna be like, I don't recommend buying art. <laughs> well, I mean, well, that's the. I, well, if I'm being honest, I, I think we saw that play out when uh, Jay Z and Beyonce did the Tiffany's campaign with the blood. Well, I'll watch it called. Well, it is a blood diamond. anyway. The diamond oh, that only like three women that. in the world has have worn, and Beyonce was one that you know she was the first African American woman, the black woman to ever wear it which was beautiful but then they had a Basquiat painting in there and I think there is something to talk about the wealthy and how they hoard beautiful paintings that you know people and communities that those paintings are supposed to be representing are about don't ever get to see them yeah and and also beyond that yeah because some artists will actually donate it to public spaces and all that but I think with that also is this idea of like this is super capitalistic and then you're putting his painting in an advertisement which just like doubles it up. No, yeah, it, it is that. It's kind of like this oxymoron. Yeah, ex- exactly. Um, and for this, though, I think this is interesting because the museum wants their money back. And I'm like, which, <laughs> no. which you by the way, the art. Art but they're also subjective. getting a lot of attention through this. So do they not think they're going to get that money back anymore? Couldn't they then just have someone buy this? And this is the unfortunate part of, of this, that someone would pay maybe like over $100,000 for that right for now because... Yeah. Or just because it's so famous. Because now it's been in the press and everything. I mean, look at in uh, our Basil, how that banana peel sold for like $190,000. The banana on the white canvas. Yeah. I mean, it happens. Uh, And I don't think they should get their money back. I don't think so either. They asked for an artist to do what he does Exactly. Exactly. Would you buy a blank canvas? Is that art? Let us know at LGT Shows, where you can find us on social media. But uh, next up, more on DC's only bilingual LGBTQ shelter and why it might have to close. That's next on What's Trending This Hour. 
Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Lots coming up still on this great Wednesday show, including music here on Channel Q. We're going to be talking uh, about mental health and powerful people playing the mental health card. That's in 15 minutes. Stick around for that conversation because you know we're going to go there. Plus... The uh, celebrity who uh, got released from jail only to land another TV gig. That's in the T-Report in a moment. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Casa Ruby, the only bilingual and multicultural LGBTQ community services center in Washington, D.C., will likely close on October 1st, and its closure will leave many local queer and transgender people of color homeless, unfed, and unsupported. The reason for this, you might ask? Well, the Department of Human Services has decided not to renew its annual $850,000 grant to the center. The DHS reportedly also announced its decision less than a week before the start of the center's fiscal year. So it just like came down like that. Uh, they have launched a GoFundMe, though, and they posted this on their GoFundMe saying... This is also a terrible loss of 30 jobs that will impact the lives of trans and gender non-binary and other employees who now face homelessness themselves. A horrible tragedy. Well, you can check it out. Again, it's Casa Ruby, R-U-B-Y. Uh, they have a GoFundMe crowdfunding campaign page. They are at 90000 of their $100,000 goal. So that's good. But still, where will they get the continued support? That's the question. Uh, Now, Texas officials are continuing to defend the state's strict abortion law that bans the procedure as early as six weeks into pregnancy and urged a federal judge to allow the measure to stand. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton said the court should dismiss the Biden administration's lawsuit seeking to block the measure that has effectively stopped most abortions in the nation's second most populous state. Here is Senator Cory Booker making a powerful statement about this. Find it shocking to the conscience that a woman who was repeatedly raped doesn't even know that they're pregnant could have the government swooping in to tell them what they can do with their body and when we know all the challenges often women face just accessing health care at all we know we are a nation that does not take care of low-income women in particular in terms of their access to health care and abortion care is health care. It could often be going directly to the life of a woman or a birthing person. So the court filing comes in advance of a hearing scheduled for Friday before U.S. District Judge Robert Pittman in Austin. Now, YouTube is taking down several video channels associated with high-profile anti-vaccine activists, including Joseph Mercola and Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who experts say are partially responsible for helping seed the skepticism that's contributed to slowing vaccination rates across the country. This is part of a new set of policies aimed at cutting down on va- anti-vaccine content on the Google-owned site. YouTube will ban any videos that claim that commonly used vaccines approved by health authorities are ineffective or dangerous. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Oh, the worst thing ever. Fresh out of jail, Lori Laughlin is returning to television. It's time for the TV sh- No, what is time for? What's this thing called? T-Report. It's the T-Report. <laughs> Those pop culture stories trending right now. So, um, Miss Girl, Miss Ma'am, she is reprising her popular character from the Hallmark Channel series. 
Um, her character's name is Abigail Stanton on the spinoff When Hope Calls, which is coming back for a second season on a new network called GAC Family. Never heard of that. Um, I think it, it stands for Great American Country, which really feels very MAGA. Like, they're trying. Yeah, I don't know. It feels very that. Even the photos from the the... This, the like the stills from the show. It's a colonial show back in the prairie days. Everyone's white. Everyone looks like they churn butter. I mean, yeah, I don't did, know. Didn't we have enough of that with Little House on the Prairie? I feel like Girl, we've that been was there like that was that. like years ago. I don't even know if Little House on the Prairie is back on. But either way, <laughs> it's in syndication. Laughlin will appear in a two-part season two premiere titled "When Hope Calls: A Country Christmas." Her daughter, Olivia Jade, of course, they're all returning back to the spotlight as she is on the current season of ABC's Dancing with the Stars. I don't know. It's really interesting. I think, obviously, Lori has to make money again, right? Mm -hmm. She has to kind of get back in there. Um, But I do think, this is important to say, cancel culture is not real. Because if she was canceled, then she would have never gotten a job. Or, Or... The definition just is shifting. Meaning, no, it never existed. Meaning you could get, it quote unquote, existed. someone could cancel you and then you could restart. That's just never existing. I don't think it's anyone like, canceled Or you could her. say it's a hiatus. What? People hiatus her? I just don't think it exists. Just because you get, just because you get backlash for like three days and everyone It was beyond a, three days. Of course I'm being facetious. Oh, okay. You know, there's sarcasm. I know it can be difficult to hear. Um, okay. But I, I think she's able to, I think the idea of cancellation is meaning you are no longer available to come back into an industry where you took advantage of anything and, and took advantage of your status by doing what she did. And that's just not true. She got a job right over there um, at the GAC family. And they're going to pull in probably ratings galore because everyone's going to be wanting to watch her return GAC back to family. television. It's an American cable network owned by GAC Media, great American country. Yeah, I said that earlier. I know. I just looked it up. <laughs> I was like, what is this thing? That's your T report. Um, I got more coming up next hour. Okay. Uh, what do we do when powerful people play the mental health card? Does it excuse them for being irresponsible? We dive in next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Some journalists are asking the question that is it okay to use a medical issue or mental health as an excuse for major professional misconduct? Um, This happened at Aussie, which is a media company that got called out by Ben Smith in a recent New York Times media column. Basically, one of the co-founders went on a call with their investors, potential investors, like Goldman Sachs, and he pretended he was a member of YouTube. He pretended he was from YouTube's uh, head of unscripted original programming, basically impersonating someone to, I, I would assume, get money from the investors, right? And this brought up this huge expose about all these other fraudulent things that were happening. But their other, his other co-founder, so this person that did it was Samir Rayo, the other co-founder, Carlos Watson, in an email said basically that it was a personal mental health issue and that the incident with Rayo um, and treated it for what it is a medical issue. So is that a good enough excuse for 
behavior like that. And we're seeing this not from just this story, but recently, if you talk about Elizabeth Holmes, I mean, this is a very high profile Theranos woman who raised so much money and it was all a scam. And now there's a trial for, uh, for her. They're using this excuse too, which is... Are they? I didn't think they were using like the mental yeah. health excuse. I thought they were just saying that she didn't have any... Like the whole trial for that specifically is to prove that she had ill will about this whole thing. Like she had a, a bad intentions and she knew she was scamming, which can be a difficult well, thing to prove over the trial. what prosecutors are saying. Her defense, obviously yeah. she's trying to defend herself. She doesn't want to go to jail. They're using the insanity defense or the mental disorder defense, which is typically used in criminal cases specifically, but the, it argues that the defendant is not responsible for their actions due to an episodic or persistent psychiatric disease at the time of the criminal act. So I obviously... I thoughts about that, but that's yeah, separate of this. Yeah. So, I mean, I think um, this is a big thing to go down. Also, because I think that a lot of these media companies... You kind of think to yourself, like, they, they get a lot of press, they're raising a ton of money, and you think to yourself, do people even read or watch their videos? Like, how are these people raising so much money? And from something like this, you see the possible scam that could happen or what's done and the loops that people jump through to raise money out of smoke and mirrors. Yeah, but isn't that the nature of this industry? Smoke and mirrors? I think a lot of times, um, if you think about it, people are always willing to do whatever they need to do to get the job done. That doesn't make it right. That doesn't make it wrong. Um, depending on, I mean, this situation makes it wrong. Depending on your but, ethics and your integrity and morals. But I, I think, here's the thing. Here's where I also see this story. Um, because I, I think it's really interesting when you're being when you're in a high profile situation like this. And I've worked for a company who no one knew anything about. And I bet you only you could only imagine the sketch things that they were doing to to make the, the brand more visible, blah, 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 all that stuff. But I, I think yeah. about the the pressure that comes with being in a position like that, where you're you're a part of an up and coming brand and you're trying to do whatever you can to make the sale happen or make it happen. This feels like it was a step too far. It feels like it was just like sketchy in all of the sense. Um, and I don't think it, it's ever okay to be impersonating anyone on a call and, and making moments of being like, oh, I can't jump on this Zoom call, but I'll, you know, we can do a phone call situation. Um, but I also think, I don't know. There's, It's really interesting because being in these high level positions, and I could only imagine, it could take a toll on your mental health. Because you have so much that's resting on you, right? Yeah, it's it's what happens when the pressure is so high and you don't really have a solution. People will do a and lot so of crazy stuff. And so that's why I'm also like, I can see why someone can blame it on that. And because mental health is the, the conversation around that is so in our faces right now. We're talking about it in ways that it doesn't. But I also see how people can really take advantage of that and, and try to use it as a scapegoat, which is not okay, right? Like, you're still going to have to, you know, fess up to what you did. You have to have consequences for your actions. And he's going to have to do this because at the end of the day, yes, mental health is real, but there are always going to people be people who take advantage of, of that idea of being like, oh, yeah, I can just blame it on that. Of course. There's always going to be people okay. that take advantage of any system or anything that's normalized. That said, I, I don't think we should be using those incidents as a way to look at the bigger picture and the people we need to take seriously when they mention these things, right? Yeah. Because for all the, the people that are the 
scammers and the frauds, and there are a lot out of there. Out there, there's a you lot said of there, there's not a there's lot? a lot out oh, there. Yeah. There's also a lot of people who are real, right? Who are really going through crazy bad stuff and who desperately need help and are stuck in really bad situations. And and we get to be there for those people and listen to them, whether we like it or not, um, and create a space where they can show up and say what's going on and like we can help them get through that. I, I think that the more powerful people come out to talk about whether it be their anxiety, depression, and everything else in between that comes up, I, I do think we need to have some sort of way to handle that to say like okay take a step back right because you're not in a place to do things properly and um the the other folks on in on that team or that company get to take a stand and like move forward right well i think it's also telling that he was able to kind of he's been suspended but he's still been able to like keep his job when if you think about it like someone like us if we ever did anything like that we would have been thrown to the wolves that's a fireable offense yeah definitely yeah. even if you're a co-founder you should be stepping down that's yeah. it you yeah. should anyway well uh, let us know if anyone has brought up anything like that or anything sketchy where you work or if you've uh, been i don't know part of something like that you i mean know, i feel like it's so people aren't going to have i feel like that i feel like segment. this is so rare <laughs> right although there's a lot of sketchy stuff out there to say about this segment well we're it's been after investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in to navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Ryan Channel Q. So this school wanted to take a stand against guns. So what did they do? The practical, obvious thing to do. They banned backpacks. That's right. Uh, this school, Rigby Middle, <laughs> High, Middle School in Idaho... They've had two gun-related incidents in the last six months, one of which involved someone actually shooting three people. All three survived. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, another person, I guess this 13-year-old, had a gun in their backpack. So, you know, they decided instead of banning guns, ban backpacks. That makes sense. And now uh, the students are trolling the school by carrying all their stuff in other things. Like they have a str- someone has a stroller... Uh, someone has a shopping cart because this is ridiculous. I think this is so hilarious um, because this really just, I don't know. I think it perfectly describes what living in this country is like. Um, yep. <laughs> because, you know, at some point, everyone is always asking, why haven't we had gun reform? Why haven't we 
banned guns. What does this look like moving forward? Well, I guess it looks like America's schools just banning backpacks. Did they forget that you can also keep a gun in your pants? Totally. What are you going to do? Ban pants next? Make everyone run Which around naked? around a horny bunch of teenagers might be a great thing for them. Who knows? But I think this is just really ridiculous. Um, and I, yeah, I don't know. It just feels like we're never going to get to the point where we're having the real conversations that should be at the center of this. We're just going to see, you know, kids trying to survive their environment and making jokes out of it, but really kind of going through all of those books. Can you imagine? I used to hate carrying like all those textbooks back in the day. Oh, it was really bad for your back. Like you would have a hunchback. Like, I you know, my mom bought. She liked. She, oh, my you mom pulled like it. I was not into the she pull was a thing. Roller I was not into the roller things. I didn't think it was cool. I had both. Yeah, so I just wanted the the backpack. Did you ever go through a time where I remember this in middle school specifically? Yeah. We went through a time where it was like the cool thing to get buy children's backpacks. So the like, mini backpack. Not even mini backpacks. It was like the character backpack. So like I remember like my friend had the Cars backpack. My yeah. fr- other friend had like the Disney backpack. And like it was actually like a trend thing that you were supposed to like go and have these like specific character Disney characters. Remember backpacks. I was a bit older than you. I forgot. Yeah. But I, I feel like that forget. has happened. All trends come back. Yeah. That said, this is ridiculous. Get your together and <laughs> they heard it here first beep <laughs> I mean at this point just get the students to make their the rules since adults can't make rules to protect anyone I don't think that's a good idea I'm just saying <laughs> I don't want the students to make the rules it seems like I, it seems like students are, I just think students are understand. good at making fun of adults because well, no. they know they're stupid I think you could put together a group of students stupid. right now and they could put together a better rule than what is being implemented right now and we're seeing this also in a lot of these states where uh, these trans laws are happening in bands and, and schools implicating a lot of LGBTQ youth uh, coming up next a trans girl was blocked from the locker room um, and her fellow students, they protested. So what they did next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Enjoying all the good tunes here on Channel Q. We've got more show for you, though. Coming up, breaking news on the Britney Spears conservatorship. Plus, Travell Anderson joins us in 30 minutes to discuss their experience with uh, tucking an amazing article they wrote. We'll be bringing you that in 30 minutes. First, let's get into so much trending this hour. A transgender student was allegedly blocked from using the locker room at a Texas high school. And her classmates rallied for her, organizing a walkout and protest in support of transgender equality. Videos of the protests have been shared on social media, showing the students waving transgender and rainbow pride flags in a hallway and chanting while a teacher shouted at them, go back to class. Now, the NBA is warning players that unvaccinated players will not be paid for games they miss due to local executive orders governing requirements for shots. Mike Bassey, NBA's executive vice president of communications, said any player who elects not to comply with local vaccination mandates will not be paid for games that he misses. The new rule that was initially reported by ESPN would pose problems for teams like the Brooklyn Nets and Golden State Warriors because New York and San Francisco are among the cities requiring COVID-19 vaccines to enter those teams' basketball arenas. And a few players have definitely spoken out about the fact that they do not want to get the vaccine for personal reasons. It'll be interesting to see what happens and what players decide to possibly protest. 
And finally, Illinois State Representative Kelly Cassidy has introduced a bill that allows any resident to sue someone who causes an unintended pregnancy or commits domestic assault. The bill is modeled after a controversial Texas law that allows anyone to sue a woman who has an abortion after six weeks. So she decided to spin it up there. And that was What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Major breaking news about the Britney Spears case. Um, I mean, honestly, this is really good news. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So a judge has suspended Britney Spears' father, Jamie Spears, as her conservator of her estate. At a court hearing today, after hearing from both the singer and Jamie's lawyers, Judge Brenda Penny agreed to suspend Britney's father from overseeing her fortune and career. Jamie's official removal will be decided at a later hearing. Now, during this hearing, Britney's attorney asked for Jamie's immediate removal, also citing the revelations about her phone and home being bugged as a serious issue. He also asked to appoint a temporary conservator um, and to submit a 30-day plan for transition that will uh, ultimate terminate the conservatorship by the um, the end of this fall, I guess. Hopefully that will happen, ultimately. Um, basically, her attorney stated that Britney was aware of the alleged illegal recording as well as brought up Jamie's domestic violence restraining order against Britney's children as well as Jamie's recent bankruptcy filing. Oh. Yeah, she's, you know, she requested her father's removal back in August. And of course... After that, Jamie said that he was willing to step down from the role, quote, when the time is right. And earlier this month, Jamie filed court documents to end Britney's conservatorship entirely. So, yeah, right now it feels like we're in a, um, of some good steps. And honestly, the, the New York Times documentary that's recently that's out now on Hulu um, is what revealed about those um, buggings and the the, you know, the recording of her 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 conversations and that just illegal recording all together so yeah i don't know this seems like good news shout out to britney she's getting what she needs to have yeah. to get her life back to reclaim her life you know the nightmare is over it seems also the document cited the singer's recent engagement to sam asgari and the upcoming drafting of a prenuptial agreement as a reason why jamie should be removed as conservator immediately. The documents state that Jamie's involvement in the prenup discussions would, quote, impede the ability to negotiate and, co- and consummate a contract that we all agree is in Mrs. Spears' best interest. Okay. So, yeah. Wow. That, I mean, that that's a, that's an update right there. That is your tea report. I got more coming up next hour. I feel like the next big Britney update will be when she announces she's pregnant or something. I don't think Britney's having any more kids. She has enough. I think she wants to with her new beau. I yep. mean, the ladies here are. I like, don't think mm-hmm. she's having. That's more why she kids. wanted her IUD out to re- grow her family. I don't think she's gonna have any more kids. Well, we'll see. Only time will tell. Well, next up, boy, this wedding photographer deleted all the pictures he took at this wedding. Was he in the right? Would you freak out if this happened to you? We get into it next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. The Reddit thread, Am I the A-Hole, is pretty entertaining. And we love finding stories in it. One of these stories really brought up uh, a debate. So this guy was hired as a photographer for his friend's wedding. He's an amateur photographer. They paid him like $250, which is nothing. You know, like weddings. That's pretty expensive. He did it as a favor, but he found himself being like, 
I would say kind of abused by the the couple, like working for hours on end, no food or a drink. And so he asked them if he could take like a 20 minute break. Right. And the groom said no, <laughs> said no, basically. And so as a uh, yeah, exactly. And in response, he deleted their wedding photos. So did is this is did he take it too far? Is he the a hole here? Who is the a hole? Um, I mean, he kind of is the a hole. If I'm being honest, I sometimes you have to. I'm not sure if he he was just a freelance hire, you know, hired person. I don't know if he has a relationship with the groom or the bride, you know. And if he does have a relationship with the groom and the bride, it's one of those things where it's kind of like you understand. You just kind of let people be what they're going to be on their day, right? Whether it's their yeah. birthday or it's their like wedding or whatever. You know, some people in the the heat of event planning can turn into a bit of a, a you know an a-hole right yeah and that it's not right it's not okay but you know sometimes you just kind of be like uh whatever i'm just going to like you know it's not going to be it's going to be water off my bag no big deal but yeah. i i hate that he retaliated in that way because yeah it does teach you a lesson about you got to treat people better but man, that's, that's like a harsh a lesson. Intense. That's a little intense. So here's the thing. Yeah, people could go get in a bad place on the day of their weddings or any sort of events, right? Nervous, anxious, and you end up snapping at people, all that. I feel like this photographer, while he wasn't being treated properly, if he really needed water and food, I feel like he could have figured it out without bothering the people involved, right? Kind of behind the scenes, well, he is taking his paid, break. So it's kind of like you want to make sure they, that you're communicating, being like, hey, I don't want you just sitting here thinking that I'm not doing it. Yeah, anything. of course. I get it. So with that said, though, I think that at that moment, you do what you said. You kind of suck it up, knowing that they're in the wrong. But to delete someone's pictures, <laughs> I mean, that is... That is taking it a bit too far. It kind of reminds me of like when I be like upset at someone, I'll like unfollow them on social media. And I've done that like where I and then I'll think about it like and then you re- days re- later and I'll be like, damn, what do I do now? And like it, it's like sometimes you make harsh reactionary mo- like when you're upset you you're just reactionary you're just kind of like mm-hmm. going with what you feel is right in the moment and i get that like i have so done that and so it's not right but then you start to regret it like either an hour after or like a couple days after where you're like oh i've come to terms with like everything and maybe that wasn't the best way of reacting so now this is a awful lesson to learn because you now they don't have any memories <laughs> I mean, yeah, people on social media are like, hey, where are the pictures? What's going on? I feel like that's one of those things oh, like God, that's while someone could then apologize for being an a-hole for the day, you basically now, they will remember this their entire lives. Well, I, I got to say, it, I'm not I'm not saying it's okay for that person to have treated him that way. I think, it, you know, there's some a couple lessons for everyone to have learned in this situation. You can't just be rude to everybody and expect them to just be like, okay, it's fine. No, you got to treat everybody right. And unfortunately... <laughs> this was basically a karmic disaster for everyone involved. Oh my God. Like this is... That, it's just the worst. so funny. Because that is so petty and just awful. And now they can only use their brains for their memories. 
Exactly. Or hopefully people took some uh, phone pictures. Oh, yeah, the Instagram, you know. People, right? You just know, like, repost those, blow up those. Actually, um, one of my friends, was it the a wedding or maybe it was a, br- a bridal shower mm-hmm. or what's a bachelorette party? They said, okay, yeah, everyone take pictures and then send me all the pictures. And we had to upload it to like a cloud and all that, which was fun. It also made me, like, made me feel like I was working sometimes. But well, then they got all you, these you angles. Have to. Like, I, I think did. That, I wanted to. Just, so that's your you the reason why you were working. I think it was just for whatever photos you grabbed. No, I actually didn't there. feel like that. But then I did feel bad that I didn't take enough. Oh she was like, God. "Did you get all the? Did you get a lot of pictures?" And I was like, "Yeah." And then it was like me and my boyfriend selfies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was like, "Here's one of you walking down the aisle," oh, and she's wow. like, "That's all you took." Yeah, anyway. Now, I mean, you got to have a certain amount, right? Like, you can't just be out here not giving anything. Anyway, well, uh, hopefully, yes. Like Life lessons were learned with that. Uh, next up, we're moving on because we love having award-winning journalist Travel Anderson on the show. They wrote this really uh, powerful and I would say uh, also comedic in their own way piece about the power of the tuck and more seriously why we shouldn't police trans bodies. They join us for that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So let's talk about a very interesting conversation that I think a lot of people often talk about when it comes to trans bodies, trans women in film specifically. Mm-hmm. They always somehow end up talking about what's underneath their clothes. And it's just one of those things where it's so inappropriate. And I think we see this and we were reading about this from a, 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 a interesting perspective where award-winning journalist Travel Anderson, who's been on the show before, been on Channel Q. We yes. love them so much. They wrote about an offhand comment at a party about tucking that really inspired them to kind of integrate integrate how we police trans bodies. And so, Travel, I just want to say thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you all for having me again. Glad to be back. <laughs> Always. Always. You know we had to have you back here because I think what's interesting, and I would love to start off here, can you talk about kind of like the history of, of tucking and, and kind of start us off from that jumping point? Because I think a lot of people don't, even know, really, unless they're paying attention to what, like drag race or something. Right, right. I think most people might know tucking in the context of drag in which these, you know, men, you know, hide, remove, do things to their bodies, to their their genitals, right, in order to give that womanly image, right? But some trans people, in particular trans women and femmes, also tuck, but for different reasons, right? For them and for us, we do it because it's euphoria, right? It's a form of doing away with, even if temporarily, the dysphoria, the bodily dysphoria that some of us experience, um, particularly those of us who have been assigned male at birth. Um, And so it has kind of very personal reasons why trans women and femmes do it. And then you have some members of the community who don't do it, right? But in our our society, you know, walking around in a dress with, you know, a little print is not necessarily, you know, acceptable. And so what I was trying to do in the piece is challenge us to have conversations within ourselves about why we are made uncomfortable by them presenting bodies that have bulges in their crotch and what we and how that actually is connected to a anti-black history of the ways in which we police black bodies of the ways in which we police women's bodies and hopefully get people to a point where we all just mind our business (laughs) and let people live life in the ways that that you know they want to yes i mean you said it I, i was i loved your piece i was 
laughing and then also just like it was so thoughtful and I, I, why now for something like this? Because I think this is a conversation that's been coming up a lot in the media and by personalities and journalists like yourself. Definitely. I mean, I think there's been a lot of conversation literally over the last few weeks around yes. tucking to be specific. Yeah. Um, Chromat, which is a um, a uh, bathing suit. Uh, I forget the 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 fashion word for it, but they do a lot of bathing suits. They had a New York fashion, their New York fashion week show and their entire line this year, co-produced by Tourmaline, they say was for, for the girls who don't tuck, right? So you have that conversation there in kind of a fashion aspect. And then the Condé Nast publication, them did a whole series of stories a few weeks ago about, you know, trans women who don't tuck when they go to the beach. Right. And the, the particular euphoria that those folks experience. And so I think we're at a moment where trans women, trans femmes are interested in truly like just challenging some of the conceptions that we all have about bodies, about what is beautiful, about the ways we are supposed to show up in the world and move through different space. Um, and so I think it is interesting that it's all happening at, at this particular moment. I think the goal, right, is that those of us who are trans women and femmes aren't the only ones having this conversation, right? And that cis-identified folks, you know, are, are kind of interrogating, like Ryan said, their own biases, their own perceptions, and their reasons why, you know, y'all like to gawk at trans mm. people's bodies. Well, and I think something you brought up earlier about kind of the anti-blackness and how race plays into this, I think there's mm -hmm. also a connection of like sexualizing black bodies that we see often in uh, in the media in every form. And I wondered, is that something that you also see when it comes to the uncomfortableness of seeing, uh, you know, a femme or trans person walking around untucked? Very much so. And it, and it connects to so many other folks who are also aren't trans, right? right? So you talk about the ways in which black bodies have been policed historically. We can go all the way back to the hot and tot Venus, right? The ways in which black women who had bigger butts than white folks were put on display mm. historically. But also think about the ways in which people frown at the ways, you know, women who are breastfeeding in public, right? Or, you know, all of the conversation that we talk about, free the nipple on Instagram, right? because Instagram bans femme-presenting, female-presenting nipples, but they don't do it for men's, right? Mm -hmm. um, all of these things that, that we as a society have put stock in, in terms of like these body parts that are deemed sexual when they're not necessarily always sexual, right? And I think that is that gets at the core of where the issue is when we have this conversation. People are thinking of penises and breasts and butts in a very sexual manner as opposed to something that, like, we all have yeah. and that can actually be desexualized. Yeah, and when we get back, I really kind of want to, like... I wonder how we should start to examine or re-examine beauty and what mm -hmm. that really looks like. And so I would love to have that conversation when we get back. Okay, cool. You Let's do it. All right, perfect. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're back with Travail Anderson, award-winning journalist, and of course, the co-host of the Fanti Podcast, which you all need to be listening to. And Travail is joining us for a necessary conversation about policing trans bodies when it comes to tucking and really having the necessary conversation of why we do that as a society. Um, so thank you so much for joining us again. So I think what's really interesting for me that comes up for me is uh, beauty, right? 
um, and how we what what society deems beautiful and what they don't you know deem beautiful. And I wonder how we should start kind of reexamining that, especially when it comes to queer bodies in general. Very much so. I mean, I think so much about queer life is about pushing up against some of those standards of beauty that just don't fit or, or hold many of us in the community. But we also know the ways in which we all kind of internalize the things that we've long been taught about, you know, everybody got to have a six pack and everybody, you know, the breasts need to be perky, but we, nobody wants hanging breasts down to their knees. Nice. All of these different things, right, that, you know, many of our bodies do that stuff naturally, Right. Breasts aren't always just up perky, okay? <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> oh, I know these things. So we need to get to a place where the natural ways that our bodies are are able to be regarded as fabulous and beautiful and wonderful and desirable as well. And then obviously also making space for the people who want to do things to their body to change them. We want to make space for those people. But for those of us who are not interested in those particular interventions, we should be able to be seen as beautiful as well. Yes, to all of that. Uh, How do we normalize these conversations more? Because obviously we're having them at Channel Q, but I know so many people that aren't having them. And yeah, yeah, I think I think part of it is one continue to have these types of conversations over the airwaves, right? Having a conversation about tucking when somebody is just listening, trying to get that good music, right? Mm-hmm. They're not paying attention. They don't worry about tucking. That's a way to start normalizing it. But I think as individuals, we have to begin to not only check ourselves, but check the people who are in our communities, right? So when your friend makes a comment about somebody's body that is rooted in fat phobia, that is rooted in anti-blackness, that is rooted in all these isms and obias, right? It is incumbent upon us to check them, to tell them that that type of behavior, that type of positioning is not the way, is not the world, right, that we all want to live in. Mm-hmm. I think it's in those very specific ways of how we begin to change yeah. the culture and change society at large. You know, and I'm I'm not trans, I'm not non-binary or femme, but I know I have so many friends and community, including you, who are in that community, and I wonder how do we have these conversations while not creating uh, uncomfortableness for people who don't see this as freeing, who don't see untucking mm-hmm. as a moment of like they can feel comfortable in their body. Like they actually need that euphoric feeling to feel who they truly, you know, who they are. Well, that's the thing to keep in mind, right? Whatever a person wants to do to their body or not do to their body, they should have the space to do so. Right. And I think for me, it's not about saying that trans women and femmes should not tuck right, or should not, you know, uh, engage with these medical interventions that that allow us to live in the bodies that we believe and feel and innately know that we were supposed to have, right? It's about making sure that literally every single person has the ability to exist as they feel works best Mm -hmm. for them and ensuring that every single type of body can be seen as beautiful, can be seen as desirable, and that we aren't, you know, um, pushing people further to the margins just because they don't subscribe to our understanding of what is beautiful. Yeah, and I love yes. how you ended your piece. You said this, quote, but until the world becomes a reality, if you see a trans woman or film with a bulge, especially me, mind the business that pays you. And I, I want to say thank you so much for joining us. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. You're amazing. Oh, you're your so fabulous good. self. Love that. <laughs> thank y'all. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. 
We're wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yaz Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. Evan Biola Suknia made history. What a name. Yes. As she wrote on Instagram, she became our school's first transgender homecoming queen. How amazing is that? I mean, literal yes, queen. Exactly. (laughs) The 17-year-old said she didn't know what to expect when she decided to run for homecoming queen at her school, Olympia High School in Orlando, Florida. And yeah, it happened. The students not only supported her, but elected her to homecoming court and then crowned her queen last week. Beautiful. I didn't even realize it's homecoming time. Is this the time? <laughs> I don't know, and I'm probably I, never going to remember that. Because I didn't time. have that at, at my high school, so I just... Oh, you yeah. didn't have homecoming no. queen and king? Or homecoming in general. Oh, wow. Sorry you missed out on that. Yeah, you know. <laughs> uh, so she said, looking back, it doesn't even feel like it's me. I played football for like six to eight years, and I remember during practices, I would stare at the cheerleaders because I wanted to be with them, uh, with them. And after her win, she shared a series of photos on Instagram of her wearing her homecoming court sash and posing with the homecoming king. So we want to give her a big shout out because this is huge and good on the students for also supporting her. Yes, honestly, it's such a big deal. I'm very impressed, I must say, by a lot of the students out there across the country who are doing good on just the community and their fellow students these days. All these protests happening, it sucks that they need to happen, but... You know, no change will happen if it's not for this next generation is going to do it, I'm telling mm-hmm. you. And that does it for our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes Queen. That also does it for our show today. But we are back tomorrow weekdays here live on Channel Q2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Oh, tomorrow we're going to be talking more about Britney Spears and the next steps in the fight to free Britney since Jamie Spears is out of the conservatorship. Plus, why people are so nostalgic for early pandemic life. That's tomorrow. And if you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. Go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. Now stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris, where he's covering how to deal with meltdowns. That's next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you.